Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, worship team and Gloria. What a, what a beautiful time of intercessory prayer this morning, and so thank you so much for that. Well, today we are starting a new series, but before we get to that, I'm going to ask Rebecca to bring up my first picture here. For those of you who, who maybe don't know me, first of all, could we just welcome anyone who might be visiting with us this morning? I just so awesome. Absolutely love it when we have visitors here. If you don't know who I am as a visitor, my name is Andrew. I have the incredible, wonderful privilege of being one of the pastors on staff here at Welland BIC Church. And just as Gloria said before her prayer that she loves our church, um, Dibs, I love our church, and I think maybe just even a bit more than Gloria. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge her in that. And uh, we, we love our church here at Welland BIC. So welcome. Anyone watching online for the first time, a uh, very special welcome to you as well. Anybody know what is special about tomorrow evening, tomorrow night? What is special about tomorrow night? You have a clue on the screen. The hockey playoffs start. The everybody. Okay, that was that was pretty weak. But I'm, I'm okay with that. So my team, the Oilers, which I know nothing about this year because I've not been following them, are apparently in the playoffs. Some of my hockey buddies told me that. So I'm, I'm like, should be one of those embarrassing fans. I shouldn't even say I'm a fan of the Oilers because I don't even know anything about them this year. So, but what is interesting about this picture is it's obviously a picture of water bottles, Water bottles. So why would I start off this morning's message time with water bottles? Well, I'm going to get to that in just a few moments. Have any of you ever dreamed of being a water boy? Now, I'm not talking about the movie with Adam Sandler, and don't go home and Google that or watch that because it's an inappropriate movie, but it was a really popular movie about this youngster who, who becomes the water boy, but then actually also becomes the star of the football team shortly after that. But none of us really go along in our life's journey and think, man, I just want to be the water boy. That's so exciting. If I could only be on the team and just be the guy who fills water bottles and make sure people have water, the athletes have water. One of my favorite scenes, and, and it's not favorite in the sense of I don't really like it, I just think it's ridiculous, but I enjoy seeing it is when the guys run onto the field, especially a football field, and they squirt water in the football player's mouth, and I'm like, really? Like, we need people to do that nowadays? Now, some would argue, yeah, that's how intense the game has got, and that's how dehydrated these guys are, and how much they need to hydrate, and so forth. But the position of the water boy or the water person for today's society is really crucial, if we think about it. It seems to be the most meaningless position, at the lowest position, so to speak, in terms of the, the sports genre or the sports kind of kingdom, so to speak. But it's vitally important. So I'm going to just leave it at that, and we're going to circle back to this in just a few moments. So remember the idea of being a possible water person. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He said, that if we were only faithful with the little things, if you can be faithful as the water boy or the water person, the odds are good 
that you will actually grow in stature and you will grow in position and you will get the position that quote-unquote is more meaningful or more looked at in terms of people's eyes of, of being a position of more worth. So Jesus said, if we are faithful with the little things, we will be given the opportunity to be in charge of much more. Uh, we can go to the next picture, Rebecca. So today we start a new series. I wasn't supposed to start this series. Uh, Pastor Larry was supposed to start this series on influencers, and he was going to talk about the first martyr, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, and the stoning of Stephen. So we're going to look at that in two weeks. Unfortunately, Pastor Larry is not well, and we're hoping uh, that he and Sharon both uh, it looks very much so like they have COVID, unfortunately, and so we just want to be praying for them, that God restores them, and so they're taking some time to, to get better. But I did a little bit of research on this idea of influencers, and there's uh, two groups. There's what's called the micro-influencer and the macro-influencer. Now, remember, this is a term that has been given to social media now. So there are these social media gurus, these people that go on Instagram and Facebook and so forth. And this is now their career, essentially, is to be what's called a social media influencer. How many of you are familiar with this? Are you following this bit? If you're of the older generation, I apologize, but it's good for you to know these things. You can talk to your grandkids about these things and be like, hey, guess what I learned at church today? learned about online social media influencers. So there's two groups. There's a micro, meaning the small influencer. That's an influencer of somewhere between 1,000 people and 40,000 people. That's a small influencer. I'm like, if I could influence 1,000 to 40,000 people, I'd be like in, in my dream. I'd be like amazing. Like we get 100 people who watch our, our service from week to week. And that's great, but I don't have much of a social presence, an online influence. Now, a macro, meaning the larger group of influencers, these guys make good money, and they influence anywhere between 40,000 and a million people. Can you imagine? Like, imagine what this does to your psyche. Imagine what this does to you, who you are as a person. You know that, like, there's a million people out there following you. Just leaning on you for advice or leaning on you to tell them what to buy next because that's essentially what it is. Most influencers are just selling stuff. They're recommending stuff on the internet saying, hey, this product here and this product there and, and they make really, really good money for doing it. I was thinking of getting involved in it and recommending like being a part of the hair products team. <laughs> just be like, hey, I don't recommend that. It made me go bald. Speaking of bald, we're going to talk about a bald influencer today, and it's not me. It's the person of Elisha. Now, not Elijah, but Elisha, and we're going to get into this story. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to uh, turn to 1 Kings. We're going to be at the end of 1 Kings. I believe it's 1 Kings 19, and we're going to carry on into the book of 2 Kings as well. So if you have your Bible or Bible apps on your phone, Whatever it may be, I encourage you to take some time to turn to that. Let me just say this, and this will be the slide, the next slide that will be up for the rest of the message. I'm continuing on with trying very hard to nail down messages to one main point, one very specific point, 
Anybody remember last week's by any chance? While we are waiting. So good. You guys are getting it. See? One point's amazing. If I would have given you 17 or 7 points last week, you probably wouldn't remember that. But while we are waiting, God is still working. Well, today's main point is this. Influence begins with the inner self. If you want to be a person of positive influence, of good influence, and I maybe should have even put those things in there because we all have influence. Did you know that? Did you know that even right now you are an influencer? Whether 1,000 to 40,000 people or whether 40,000 to a million people are following you, you have influence on someone, whether you think you do or don't. It might be a neighbor. It might be a coworker. It might be someone in your family. It might be your kid, your grandkid. But you are influencing someone whether you know it or not. Now here's the dilemma. You can either influence positively in a good and in a righteous and in a holy way or you can influence in a negative way. But we all influence people. The disclaimer is this for us, and the disclaimer is you're going to see this for the rest of the message, and I'm going to repeat it quite a few times. Influence begins with the inner self. But the disclaimer is, is I'm talking about holy, godly, Christ-like influence. We're not talking about the poor influence. We're not talking about just generic or general influence. We're talking about influence that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. An influence that actually comes from being indwelled. So influence begins with the inner self. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says this. It says, a good name is to be more desired than great wealth. (laughs) What a wrestle that is. What a wrestle that is in today's culture, seeing the price of gas, seeing the price of groceries, seeing the price of housing. It would be really natural right now to be chasing after more wealth. But Scripture tells us to be very careful with that. Because it says in Proverbs 22, verse 1, it says, A good name, a good reputation, a person of good character, an integral person, is way more valuable than any wealth they could have. It goes on to say that their favor is better than silver and gold. Now we're looking at a very specific influencer this morning, and his name is Elisha. And Elisha understood this principle among many, many others. He understood that his good name was to be more desired than wealth, and that he would prefer favor over gold or silver. Elisha's name means God is salvation. What a great name. Elisha. God is salvation. Elisha was the successor of Elijah. And forgive me because I'm going to use these names back and forth a little bit. And you'll have to do your homework because I, my fear this morning is that I'm going to mess the two up. <laughs> you ever do that? 
You're talking about one of these two great prophets, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, that wasn't Elijah, that was Elisha. Or vice versa, you're like, no, that wasn't Elisha, that was Elijah. I'm like, God, really? We couldn't have given these guys two different names? Elisha, S-A-A-S-H-A, was the successor of Elijah. And Elijah was known as one of the great prophets of Israel. What's interesting, though, is Elisha, he had significant influence. What's amazing is, as great a prophet as we see that Elijah is, the one who gets taken up into heaven, and we're going to read about that in just a moment, Elisha actually has more influence than Elijah. And we're going to get to that as we continue to go through this story. So let's take a closer look at the story. 1 Kings 19, verses 19 to 21, if you're following along in your Bibles or on your Bible app. 1 Kings chapter 19, starting at verse 19, it says this. It says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha. Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Now, this is really interesting. 12 12 yoke of oxen. This seems like a little overkill in terms of how many oxen. Bible scholars believe that this is maybe a reference to how many tribes of Israel they are. It's maybe a numeric thing that's actually just kind of put into the scripture in a clever way as we see numbers often represent something more. Uh, Other Bible scholars believe it was just simply the fact that he had 12 oxen. And some also believe that... um, I don't know what I was going to say there, so we're going to move on from that. And he himself, so it goes on to say, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So Elisha has these 12 oxen, and they're often put in pairs, which I think is really interesting because we also see that as being very scriptural. Remember, Jesus did something with pairs. He said he sent them out two by two. We also see pairs come into the ark when the earth was flooded and destroyed. But he goes on to say this, the scripture goes on to say, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now this was a big deal in their culture. If you threw, as a prophet, if you threw your cloak around someone who was essentially younger than you or someone who was close to you, what it meant is that you were about to take them on as a mentor. This person that you put your cloak on was the person who was going to take over your responsibilities. It was just a cultural thing that they did. So imagine being Elisha in this situation and all of a sudden he knows who Elijah is. He's seen and heard and knows the miracles of Elijah. And all of a sudden this prophet comes along and he throws his cloak. Could you imagine if that was you? Could you imagine if that demonstration was a part of your life that all of a sudden a great prophet comes to you and he throws his cloak over you and he says, you're next in line. You're going to take over from me. It's quite a moment. It says, Elisha then left his oxen and followed Elijah, but he also asked this. He said, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye. Then Elijah said, and then I will come to you. Elijah says, go back then. And this is really amazing. If your Bible translation says this, just take note of this, because when I was reading this, I was like, what? This makes no sense. So Elijah says, go back then, but he also says, what have I done to you? Well, what have I done to you is a weird expression, and it only means do as you please. So essentially, I, Elijah says to Elijah, he says, hey, yeah, go, go do what you need to do. Go kiss your parents 
goodbye. So Elisha left Elijah and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. This is interesting. It says he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat of the oxen that he just slaughtered. And what did he do this for? He did this for two reasons. One, he did this to feed the people around him, but more, more primarily, he did this as a sacrifice to God. As a thank offering for being chosen to be the next prophet of the nation Israel. Influence begins with the inner self. There are two things to note even just in these few verses that we've read. The first is this. Elisha was a man who understood worship and sacrifice. Elisha was a man who understood worship and sacrifice. See, if we want to be people of influence, if we want to be people of influence, it's going to begin with the inner self. And it becomes, it becomes an issue of worship and sacrifice. What am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to dedicate back to the Lord? What am I willing to give back to him in worship? Because influence, godly, holy influence, is going to begin inside of here. And if our hearts don't know what it means to worship and sacrifice, then we have some work to do in that area. The second thing we see and note is this, that he is a servant. We continue to read. A great question to ask ourselves first, though, is this, is what does the serving portion of my inner self look like? Am I willing to be a servant? I sure hope so. Being a Christ follower, one of our primary, primary callings is to be a servant first and foremost. The story of Elijah continues on through the second book of Kings. We read this in 2 Kings 3, verse 11. So now we're in 2 Kings 3, verse 11. We're going to kind of just continue to flip through as we go. It says, but Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. What's interesting is, let me give you a little bit of context, three of the great leaders, the king of Judah, the king of Israel, and some other guy, I forget his name, but he's kind of in, in the mix of great leaders in this time, and they're about to go into this major, major battle. And it's not looking good. There's been a drought in the land. They can't uh, get water to their animals properly, to their soldiers properly. There's a huge thirst issue going on here and so forth. And it's very interesting that this servant to the king says, well, yeah, there is, there is a great prophet in the land. And it's the prophet who actually used to wash Elijah's hands. Now, it's really interesting because Elijah has actually already done a few miracles in his short term as the new prophet of Israel. But the servant to the king doesn't actually say, yeah, it's, it's the miracle worker. We have a miracle worker here. He doesn't give him a title. He doesn't say the prophet. He doesn't say this great man, this holy man. He doesn't do anything. He says, you know who you're looking for? You're looking for the guy who used to be the water boy. 
I just brought it full circle there if you didn't catch it quite at the beginning. You want to be a person of influence? Be a person who serves first and foremost. But see, that's not what the world would tell us. But that's what makes us so different than the world because that's what Scripture tells us. You want to have godly influence? You want to have a great influence on your kids, on your marriage? Serve. Serve them. Don't sit back in your lazy boy and say, you serve me. No, get off your duff and serve someone else. Don't ask, what can the church do for me? Ask, what can I do for the church? Serve. An officer of the king answered, Elisha is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. See, influence begins with the inner self. If what's going on here and in here isn't right, doesn't line up with God and Scripture and what the Holy Spirit leads us and convicts us to do, then your influence won't be godly influence. The next thing I see out of this story of Elisha is that he knew what it meant to be loyal. Oh, talk about a bad word in today's culture. Are you loyal? Would someone look at you and say you are a loyal person? See, we have this cultural issue right now with what's called consumerism. And consumerism has ate away at our hearts and minds to make us very, very disloyal. But Elisha knew what it meant to be loyal. He refused to leave Elisha three times. In 2 Kings chapter 2, if you're following along with your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 2, 4, and 6. This is an easy portion of scripture to remember about the story. 2 Kings 2, 2, 4, and 6. 2 Kings 2, 2, 4, and 6. Elijah is going to three different places and three different times he says to Elisha, just, just stay here. I've got some things to go ahead and do. And Elisha says to Elijah, uh-uh. I'm your man. I'm your servant. I'm your right-hand guy. There's no way you're going to these places without me. Elisha permitted Elisha to stay with him, and he asked what he could do for his protege before he left. Elisha makes a bold request, but a very honest and heart-endearing influencing type of request. See, this wasn't a greedy request, but Elisha asked this. He asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Now, at first you might read that and think, well, that's kind of arrogant. Like, Elijah was a pretty, pretty cool guy. He had a lot going on. He was a great prophet. He did a lot of amazing, miraculous things. And now this, this newbie, this water boy, thinks that he's deserving of a, a double portion? Well, it's not because he was selfish. It's not because he was greedy. It was because he wanted to be a godly and holy influencer of the nation of Israel. 
He knew that if his heart was right and he said, God and Elijah, please give me a double portion of this blessing so I can influence as many people as I can in this nation. This wasn't a greedy request, but rather one indicating that Elijah wanted to be considered just almost like Elijah's son. See, that was the practice of the culture of the, of the day, was if you asked for a double blessing, you were actually a son who was asking that. So their relationship is almost like the relationship of a father and son. Elijah then says this to Elisha. He says, if you see me taken up, then the double portion will be yours. Elisha did indeed see the chariot of fire and the horses of fire that separated the men. And he saw Elijah taken to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak and walked to the Jordan River. Elisha struck the water with the cloak and it divided just as it had done for Elijah. The other prophets who witnessed this recognized that Elijah's spirit now rested on Elisha as God had decreed. Elisha would now be the new prophet to the people. And you can find the rest of that story in 2 Kings 1, verses 18. See, Elisha knew that influence begins with the inner self. Elisha wanted a double portion of Elijah's spirit because he desired to be completely filled with God's spirit. Elisha knew that it was vital for his inner self in order for him to be in the right place, to have the right kind of influence on the nation of Israel, that it was so important for him to be completely in tune with God, therefore asking for the double portion of being filled with God's Spirit. As we continue looking at the influence of Elisha, we read this in 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. <laughs> I love this. This is such a cool part of the story. There's so much going on with Elijah. Like, it's just such a great read. I really want to encourage you to, to read through all these stories. But Elisha says this. He's, he's getting a little bit of stress from Jehoshaphat and some of these other guys, the, the king of Judah and the king of Israel, and the fact that they're really stressed out about this upcoming war and there's no water and so forth. And Elijah says this. He says, all right, everybody chill out. Everybody settle down. I got to ponder this a little bit. And as I ponder this, somebody go get the harpist. Let's get a little music involved in this. And so he says in verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 3, says, Elisha says, now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha and he said, this is what the Lord says. Going back to having a heart of worship. See, what Elisha understood in this moment was is that he needed to be in a place of worship and he needed to be a place where he was actually quiet so that he could hear what the Lord was saying. See, part of our problem is, is we want to tell God everything. I talked about, if you haven't listened to the podcast on prayer yet, it's on YouTube. I, I encourage you to do that. We did that this past Thursday night. And one of the things that I encourage us to think about is when we are praying, we often are just doing too much talking. And you might go, well, isn't, isn't that what prayer is? No. 
Prayer actually is just as much listening as it is talking. If you don't take a time to be quiet in your prayer to hear from the Lord, you're just a jabberer. You're just someone who's going, me, 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 me. God's like, can I get a word in? And Elisha knew this. He knew in order to be a person of influence, he needed to quiet himself. He needed to listen to what the Lord had said. And then the Lord spoke to him, and he laid his hand upon him, and he said, I will fill this valley with pools of water, for this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. (laughs) And I love what he says. Elisha's awesome. I I feel like he's just like your average, ordinary Joey, just kind of tells it like it is. Not being arrogant or anything like that, but he's just like, guys, this is so matter of fact. What's wrong with you? And he says this. He says this. (laughs) I love it. He says, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. It's a miracle. It's going to be an absolute wonderful miracle. And Elijah says, dudes, this is is an easy thing for the Lord. And then he goes on to say this, and he says, he will also deliver Moab into your hands. In other words, you are going to win the victory in this battle that looks like you're not. It's an amazing story. Influence begins with the inner self. It was very important for Elisha to quiet himself. He recognized that if he is to hear from the Lord, his inner self, his inner self would need to be quiet enough to actually listen. Church and friends and family and everyone I hope you're getting a sense of the importance of the health of our inner selves. How important it is that we take care of our character, our inner self, our inner heart, and our inner mind. It's vitally important if you want to actually be a person of godly influence. 2 Kings, now moving ahead a little bit, 2 Kings chapter 4 tells us that Elijah is a holy man, and the chapter also includes several miracles. So if you're looking for a great chapter to read after church tomorrow, or (laughs) after church tomorrow, after church today, 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4 tells us of this amazing story that Elijah is considered a holy man. A holy man. For the sake of time, I won't go through all of these stories and all these miracles found in chapter 4, but again, I just want to encourage you to check that out for yourself. One definition of holy is this. It means to be dedicated to God. To be holy is to be dedicated or consecrated to God. See, there could be nothing more wonderful than to strive for and achieve for this place in our own hearts to be fully dedicated to God. What would that look like for your own life? What would that look like for your heart? What would that look like for your soul? There's no question that a holy inner self would bring about godly influence. The last thing that we're going to look at this morning in regards to Elisha's influence is this. Elisha understood the value of an uncompromised inner self. Elisha understood the value of being uncompromised in his heart and in his mind. 
2 Kings chapter 5 tells us this. It tells us yet about another miracle that Elisha performs. Another significant act of influence. This is a wild story, and we'll just give you a quick overview. The Compass Kids are actually learning specifically about this story this morning, and it's called The Healing of Naaman. Naaman is, just to give a quick overview, Naaman is this incredible warrior. He's the head general of the Syrian army, and the Syrian army is an army not to be messed with. But the problem with Naaman is he's contracted um, leprosy. So he has leprosy, and it's affecting how he can actually continue on to be the general of this incredible army. And I just want to encourage you to continue to read that story as well, 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman comes to, to Elisha and, and says he needs to be healed, but there's so much more going on. There's this servant girl that says, hey, I know about this great prophet Elisha, and I believe he can heal you. And then Naaman does this weird thing by going to the king first and saying, hey, do I have permission to kind of go to Elisha and get healed and so forth? And then he tells them, he, Elisha gets his servant to actually go and heal him. And all, it's just a, it's a wild story. I don't have time to go into all the details. But what happens is Naaman does get healed. And he finally takes the advice of Elisha and he does that. But what happens is the amazing part of the story is Naaman in his gratefulness wants to pay Elisha for his services. He wants to reward him for healing him. And Elisha says, no, 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 I'm I'm not going to take your money. Now this was also part of I don't want to say the cultural thing, but this was a part of the prophet type thing in that a true prophet would not take money from someone outside of the fold, essentially. So for us, it would be like we won't take, and and this isn't what we do, um, but for us, the exercise would be saying if someone came to us from outside of our community who wasn't a part of our church and said, hey, I have $500,000 for you, I want to give that to you. In this situation, we would say no to that. That's essentially what Elijah is doing. He's saying, no, 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 I'm not taking outsider money to do an insider task. It's very interesting, and I don't have time to explain it all. But the line that comes out of it for me is this, and you may want to write this down, you may want to note this, I don't believe this is in your sermon notes, but the line that I think of is this, don't trade in your influence for your integrity. Don't trade your integrity for influence. Because all kinds of people are doing that today. And if you want to have a heart that's right, if you want to be a person of true, godly, holy influence, you need to understand that you're not going to trade your integrity for money or other things, for bribes, for popularity, whatever it might be. In closing today, and I'm going to invite the worship team up, and we're going to sing one last song. We're going to sing Cornerstone together. And Cornerstone is just a great worship song in order for us to center ourselves again on realizing that Christ is the cornerstone of our influence. Let me say that again. Christ is the cornerstone of our influence. See, if we want to be people of influence, it needs to begin with the inner self. I have no business as a pastor trying to influence you as a congregation in terms of godly influence 
if things aren't right in here. I have no business doing it. And this amazing prophet, Elisha, knew this so, so well. Characteristic after characteristic after characteristic in his own life that he knew, if I want to be a person of great influence, my inner self needs to be right with the Lord. So I want to encourage you, stand with us as we're going to sing this last song. I want to encourage you to just pray a simple prayer with me right now. Just close your eyes, just kind of focus in and hear what I believe that the Holy Spirit and what God would want to hear you say through me this morning. And I don't consider myself to be any kind of prophet, just so you know. I'm just, just a pastor. Maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but it's my, my role. But what I believe the Holy Spirit and God might be saying to you today is, what kind of person of influence are you currently? Maybe things are going great. Maybe your inner self is in a really awesome spot. But maybe you would confess this morning just in a quick moment of prayer, just say and close your eyes, and you don't need to speak this out loud. You can just say this to yourself and to God. God, help me with my inner self today. Help me recognize how great you are, how easy it is for you to change the person I am. To make me a person of integrity, to make me a person of great character in order that I might be a person that would have godly and holy influence in those around me. And everybody said... Amen.